Thank you for listening to the audio podcast of the King's Crossing Church of Christ. To learn more or subscribe, please visit our website at kingscrossingcoc.com. On the front of your bulletins, we have a little extra information about what will be coming up on Easter Sunday. Um, This is always a a very busy time for many churches, and uh, as usual, we expect to have a a, a large attendance. And in fact, because LTC is not happening this year, we normally, even with large numbers, have something like, you know, 30-40% of our people at LTC. Well, this year, everybody's going to be here. So uh, we're expecting a a wonderful time of worship and fellowship. Um, We do have a couple of things that are going to be different on that Sunday. Uh, We're going to have a good worship service, and then following the worship service, we'll have uh, an Easter egg hunt for for the younger children, but we're also having breakfast available. And I want to be clear, this year the breakfast is not just intended for the children or the families with children. This is something that absolutely any of you are more than welcome to uh, participate in this year, and we'd love to have everyone stick around. Um, So that we can accommodate more people, we are going to be doing this uh, outside, and so we have lots of space for everyone to be able to uh, honor whatever protocols we need to for safety, but still, it's just been far too long since we've had a good time of real high-spirited fellowship with each other. And so uh, we're looking forward to that. Two things we would request from you. Number one is that you would register. Uh, Crystal Dawson is uh, coordinating all of this, and uh, she needs to know uh, how how many people to expect, if possible. So if you would either use that link that's typed out on the front of your bulletin, or if you have downloaded our new app on your phone, the Church Center app, uh, there's a place for registrations. It's really easy. You click there. It already knows who you are, and you can do all that uh, on your phone. And also, because we're all going to be together, in lieu of having separate Bible classes on that Sunday, we're going to have a devotional together uh, while we have uh, breakfast. So that'll be incorporated into that event. Uh, A second thing we would request from you is that uh, you would donate uh, prepackaged Easter eggs we can use for the uh, children doing the hunt. So looking forward to that. Wanted to make sure that's on your radar. Please, please do uh, register if you plan to stick around on that Sunday. The last couple of weeks, we've been doing a study of three different psalms. Uh, The three of these, as I've mentioned, are linked by a reference to a guy named Jeduthun, who we don't really know that much about other than that, if it's the same Jeduthun mentioned in Chronicles, that he would have been one of the key uh, temple musicians. But there are three psalms that we have that make reference to him, and we don't know if it's a common melody or a common theme or exactly what it is, but the psalms do fit nicely together, and uh, I've found them to be uh, uplifting thoughts for a time period like the one we've been going through. So in this week, we're going to be in Psalm 77. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, uh, we are going to be looking at all of that psalm. I would invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 77. Now, just as in Psalm 62 that we looked at last week, this is from the perspective of someone who is feeling kind of distanced from God, possibly even chastised by God based on what's going on in their life. And the other two are songs by David. This is a song by a man named Asaph who composed several of the psalms that we have. But in this season of ongoing pandemic, even though I I hope and pray, and frankly, I'm pretty optimistic we're near the end of this thing, I'm sure we've all had a few thoughts as we've tried to process what all of this means. I mean, the pandemic, was it just an irresponsible decision somewhere by a few people? Is it bad luck? 
Is this some sort of punishment? Are we being taught some sort of lesson? Is there something I should be paying attention to and learning from? You know, if this is punishment specifically, what is it for? Uh, It's really hard to sort out those kinds of questions. So before I begin reading uh, the psalm, I want to just kind of glide through some of the verbs that show up just in these first six verses. I want you to try and picture in your head as I read through these verbs, like, what was it like to be this person right now? So we see things like, I cry out, I seek, I stretch out, I remember, I groan, I meditate, I am troubled, I think, I remember, I meditate. I question. Those are words describing a restless person, aren't they? You read through those words and you say, this is a person who in their heart feels restless. I'm sure most of us have had those kinds of emotions at some points in time during the last year or so. So let me read through the first verses. It says in verse 1 of Psalm 77, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated, and my spirit asked. We'll look at how he continues in just a moment. I'm convinced that part of how you can be really sure that you know God and love God is that you have gone through at least some seasons in your life where you really had to think about whether that was the option you're going to choose or not. You need to have gone through some sort of a hardship or difficulty or frustration to where following God means at some point I have to decide this is the path I'm choosing because God hasn't said yes to 100% of the things I've wanted exactly when I've wanted them. Sometimes maybe God has given me a wall where I was hoping for a door. And so only after God has disappointed your expectations in some way, at least from your perspective, it's only then can you really start to sort through, "Am am I following God just because I get everything I want or do I follow God because I care about God? And maybe... I want for God's will to be done even more than I want my own will to be done. I find these verses to be healthy because here's a person who is trying to reach out for God while also being very honest about this wrestling tension between his heart and his spirit and his mind and obviously not able to sleep very well. He's trying to figure out exactly who am I in this world and how do I connect to God. Uh, As the verses continue, he brings up a very significant old faith claim. It comes from Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6. So he doesn't quote the verse exactly, but I'm going to show you in just a moment. He's definitely interacting with this faith claim. This is one of the things that came from the book of Exodus. So as the Israelites are being led out and God defines himself to Israel, what is this, who is this God that we're serving and, and what is he like? This is what we're told, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's how God wants to be known. That's how God wants to be thought of. So what I want to do, I'm going to read the next few verses, but as I read the verses, I want you to keep looking at the words on the screen. I want you to see if you can spot the connections between what he's doing in this psalm 
and the claims of Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6. He does this in a form of very serious pointed questions, several questions in a row. Look at the words on the screen and see if you can spot the connections. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Do you see the connections? What's the big question driving all those other questions? Has God actually changed? Is this still what I believe? Is God still compassionate and gracious? Will will he be that way again or has he simply moved on? I'm not feeling it right now. I'm not seeing it right now. I'm not sure how to make sense of all this that's happening around me. I think Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8 is one of these scriptures that we all try to hang on to. I think some verses you say, I I, I believe it intellectually, right? Like I see these words and I believe them, but then emotionally and in practice, sometimes I struggle to get there all the way. But Hebrews 13 and verse 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. All the things that are true of Jesus on the cross were already true of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit before the world was created. God is eternal. He is almighty, but he continues to be compassionate, gracious, loving. We want to believe and confess that, but don't we all have days where it's a little harder to grasp and live into that truth? This psalm demonstrates uh, what I consider to be a helpful thing. If the thing you're questioning about is, what will God do in the future? This this mess that we're in, what is God going to do next? What can I expect from God going from here? Um, If God is the same, this verse challenges us to think, if God is the same, then the kinds of things we can expect from him are also the same. So I would say, I might put it this way, sometimes we might desire clarity but instead, God offers us memory. God, I want to know what it is that you're going to do next. And God says, I haven't changed at all, but look at all the things I've already done. If you want to know what to expect from me, look at my track record. Look at my, look at my character. Look at who I've always been. Look at how I've always responded. If you want to have an ability to predict what I'll do next, look at your memories. Look at the memory of Scripture and all the people of faith who've gone before us. When we want to know the future, God invites us to remember the past. And so that's the direction that the psalm goes. In verse 10, he says, Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, O God, are holy. And here's an important question. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Some days we may not love the hand that God is dealing us. We may not love the circumstances that surround us. We may not love how long it feels like we're having to wait for God to do what we think he's promised to do. It's no fun to wait. 
But Asaph asks us that very important question. Okay, you don't love everything about how God is running the universe, but sincerely, what is your better option? What other God are you going to turn to? Some person, some place, some thing is going to be that around which you orient your life. Something is going to be at the center of your being that drives you and defines you. What can you possibly find to put in that spot as good as God himself? What other thing can give you the source of hope, love, forgiveness, purpose, empowerment, the things that God offers us, the peace that comes from knowing God, even through the difficult circumstances? What other religions in the world speak to the big questions of life as completely as, do, as does Scripture? We know our story from beginning to end. We really do. The question of where do we come from, God has revealed that to us. The question of where is all of this going, God has told us where all of this is going. And maybe we can't grasp all the details, but we know with God's help how to be prepared for what comes next. We know in the present time what's actually worth doing with these few years I have in this life. What are good things to do? What would be just wasting my time on things that just become meaninglessness? We've talked about vapor a lot the last couple of weeks. Some things just go up like a puff of smoke and and they're gone. We don't want to waste our lives on those things. Scripture, God has spoken to us and has helped us to know those things. But more so than any other world religion, we have Jesus Christ God putting on flesh, not just telling us what to do, not just mailing us an instruction manual, but instead coming down and saying, be like me and you'll have a good life. He came down and became one of us. What other God could you put in your life that would be so relatable, so understanding of your circumstances? So the story that he chooses to bring to life near the end of this psalm, is specifically the story of Moses and the children of Israel. As Moses was leading them out of Egypt, certainly with God's powerful help, they get up against the Red Sea, and they need to find somewhere else to go because the chariots of Egypt are rapidly approaching. They're trapped. They have nowhere to turn. And it's there, if you remember the old story, it's there that God causes the water to pile up to one side, and they have a path to cross on dry land, where meanwhile, God is even protecting them with fire so that the chariots can't harm them. I mean, it is, it is really just hanging on by purely the grace of God, they're even alive. But God protects them, and as they're able to pass through on dry ground, he invokes that imagery here in this psalm. He says, I'm frustrated with my circumstances, and when I want to know what God's going to do, I'm going to remember all that God already has done. And he lets his mind start imagining the circumstances. Listen to the way he tells the story of the parting of the Red Sea. He says, the waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea your way through the mighty waters. Though your footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. 
We've talked some the last couple of weeks about how when we're trying to grasp God and we're trying to hang on to God, it's the things that are invisible that are truly everlasting in this world. All the stuff that we can see and taste and touch and buy and, and accumulate, this is all the stuff that becomes vapor. It's the invisible things that are most lasting. So as we're trying to hang on to and cling to this almighty God, he's an invisible God. We can't see him with our eyes, but we can see the effects of what God has done in the world. So something that I believe is unchanging about God is the way that he loves and works through people. Uh, a small detail that I absolutely love about this psalm there in verse 20, we've been reminded in verse 19, God is the one who led them through the waters, but you couldn't see his footprints. We saw what he did, we saw the effects of God, but you couldn't see him and you couldn't see his footprints. But he says, you did lead your people like a flock, but the way that you did it was by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And that's still true for us because as God moves through our congregation and through churches and Christians throughout the world, as God moves through people, the fundamental way that God still chooses to help us is to use us, these children that he loves who don't deserve, what a great song we sang earlier. Thank you for that, uh, Andy. That, that selection was great. But, um, you know, even though we don't deserve it, we can't earn it, God still puts us in that position so that we can make a difference. In your life, it will be through some of your wisdom, through some of your dedication to Scripture and teaching that someone else is taught by God. God will teach them through your words. It will be through your example of faith in hard circumstances that someone else can look at you and remember, well, I don't know how to go through this, but I watched them go through cancer. I, I watched them go through a terrible loss. I watched them do something similar, and I see that God carried them through. It's going to be your example of faith that God uses to uplift a person whose soul is downcast. In fact, more simply, it's going to be through your text messages your emails, your cards, your phone calls, your brief visits, someone who needs to know that God cares about them, he's going to embrace them through your arms. Just the way that God led his flock through Moses and Aaron, God is going to continue to love his flock through you and the things that you do. I'm reminded of that. In fact, I was thinking about this passage. I remembered our Common Ground campaign. You know, we talked about that so much. You remember the subtext? It was his heart, but our hands. I think that's highly appropriate, that God would continue to work through us. Uh, here in this psalm, Asaph talks about his struggle to live out the truth he wants to believe. Is God really so loving? Is he really so unchanging? Does he still show mercy? Has he given up somehow? But he says, when you feel this way... Remember the great things God has already done and be confident that God offers you the same kind of help that he's always offered. As I was reading through this psalm, I found myself wishing that I could have a conversation with Asaph. I wish I could tell him that he might have no idea just how right he was about what it is he's telling us. This psalm ends here with this reference to Moses, does it not? I would want to say, Asaph, do you know that Moses' own mother is a perfect embodiment of exactly what you were trying to tell us in this psalm. Moses' own mother completely embodied these traits that you're talking about. 
If you don't remember the circumstances of Moses' birth, the Israelites are all slaves in Egypt. Well, they have been for goodness. At that point, like 400 years, it's been a long time. And so they're in slavery, and even though they're just kind of minding their own business, the people are increasing in numbers, and they're healthy, and they're growing, and Pharaoh decides we need a preemptive strike. You know, even though they haven't threatened us, they're getting so numerous that if they wanted to fight us, it'd be a real problem. We need to go ahead and take them out before they can start anything. And so the plan is talk to all the midwives who help deliver babies, and anytime there's a baby boy, those grow up to be potential soldiers, so just finish them off. If it's a baby boy, kill it, toss it in the Nile, whatever you got to do. I can't have any more baby boys being born to the Israelites. Uh, it's a treacherous, uh, tyrannical thing to do. Mother, uh, Moses' mother, uh, her name is Yocheved, and uh, she's married to Amram. They have this uh, older daughter, and then they have this beautiful baby, and can you imagine their heart must have sank a little bit when they saw it was, in fact, a baby boy. And in, they were able, it says, for three months. For three months, she manages to hide him. But at the end of three months, she starts to realize, I can't keep him that quiet. I can't keep him that hidden. And as soon as they see this is a boy, they're going to take him from me. They're going to do something terrible to him. But he's not, going, he's not going to survive. It's an emotional story. I'm sorry. It's a hard one to, it's a hard one to process. So I, can't, I really can't imagine what that must have been like for her in those circumstances. I was thinking about the psalm we read, and I wonder if the same words might apply. Could I look at Yocheved and would I say, she cried out, she sought, she stretched out her hands to God, she remembered, she groaned, she meditated, she was troubled, she thought, she remembered, she meditated, she questioned we're also told that she looked. She looked at her son, little Moses, and she saw that he was a beautiful child and he deserved a chance at life. And so what she did was, I think she must have thought of the stories of old and said to herself, you know, if he's going to be thrown into the waters, the last time we had to deal with a lot of water, what we needed was an ark. So something our, our English translations have done us a great disservice with is that when it says that she took some thrushes, it doesn't say that she made a basket. It says that she made an ark. It's the same word used in Genesis 6. She didn't make a basket. She made an ark for her son. Thought, if I'm going to have to see him thrown into the waters... At least I can give him the same fighting chance that Noah had. And wouldn't you know it, what happened in her life? She discovered that the Lord is still the Lord. He's still a compassionate and gracious God. He is still slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And lo and behold, she leaned on those old stories and the same God who showed mercy on Noah not only spared her son's life, but 3,000, more than 3,000 years later, we're still telling stories about all that God did through that precious child. Can you ever overestimate the potential effects of a believing mother, a believing father, the courage to trust God even when it's difficult? Can you ever really know the full implications of stepping out on faith? So if you're struggling, if you are wondering whether God may have changed or God has somehow shifted, I want to encourage you to remember these stories, to turn to Scripture because it is okay to struggle. It is okay to be frustrated. It is okay 
to ask those questions, but as you do that, keep reaching out for God. Trust that God will continue to do for us the things he has always done for those who turn to him. He's still a God who shows compassion. He's still a God who saves. We can remember the tremendous acts of love that God has shown to the entire world and know that even in our little circumstance, in our little ark, God still cares for us too. So this morning, uh, if you have something that's weighing on you, maybe you're a person, as I read through those verbs, maybe those, those are describing you. You're struggling, you're having trouble sleeping, you've got something that's just weighing on you and you're not sure what's happening from here. Maybe we could be a source of encouragement to you this morning. We would love for God to work through our hands, our words, to do anything we can uh, to be a source of comfort to you. Uh, this morning, if there is anyone wanting to name Jesus as Lord, if you'd like to put him on in baptism, uh, this is a time we've set aside where you could respond, whatever your needs are. Uh, we would invite you to come forward as together we stand and sing this song.